Hello everyone, this is Belinda Carr. Welcome back to the Movers and Breakers podcast, where we dive into the world of construction and explore the stories of people and companies who are shaping the future of our industry. From the latest innovations to the challenges and triumphs of everyday professionals, we bring you the inside scoop of what's happening in construction. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Ingui, architect and founder of the Passive House Accelerator. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you, Michael. Likewise, most people have heard of Passive House Accelerator and they probably watch the weekly podcast that you um, you and your team organize and you all have a couple of videos and a YouTube channel too. But your background is actually in architecture. You have a pretty established practice in New York. Yeah, yeah. We do some work outside of New York, but a lot of work is in uh, both Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. And you have you have worked at Bax Ingui Architects for over twenty five years in New York City, and it's kind of when I when I first came across that on your LinkedIn profile, I was a little bit shocked because I worked in New York at Cloda Interiors, um, <laughs> and oh, you've heard of them? Okay, I it I've worked there for about seven months as a, for an internship, and then I was ready to leave. I was ready to move on. It's a pretty overwhelming city. And um, it feels like if you want to move up in the architecture world or interior design world, you have to move out. But you have stayed at the firm for over 25 years and it's worked out for you. So what was different about your experience? Uh, so I graduated uh, New York Tech at uh, Westbury um, uh, in a recession and I uh, got a job in a place called Bogenson uh, for the first year I was out of school. But I always wanted to be... Um, in the city. Uh, I spent most of my time as a kid growing up in Long Island in the city when I could. Um, I knew where I wanted to be and where I wanted to spend my time. So when a job with Ben Bax came up, uh, I jumped in and I was going to stay for a year. That's what most people do. Stay for a year, you know, jump, move up to a next position somewhere else, you know, learn about different firms. But the way Ben ran the office actually is the same way we run the office now, which is when you work there, you get to work to your ability. So whatever you're interested in, you get to do. <clears throat> if you like the design, if, you, if you're good at design, if you want to do more product management, you, you get to do it. And the opportunity was always there and it never left. And, and there was always room for growth. And Ben, probably 78 or 79 now, or no, I think he might be 80 soon, but, um, but Ben's still learning. Ben is still designing. Ben is still um, vibrant. In fact, probably in better shape than I am. And it's a, uh, it's a great way to, to have that partnership. But that, it takes a special kind of person to work in that environment. You have to be extremely self-motivated because you're talking about the freedom that the job offered you, but it can be easy to get into a rut in that in that kind of environment where you're not being pushed to move up. It has to come from you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a relatively driven person. So, uh, uh, and, 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 <laughs> and, and quite uh, quite hyper. Uh, so I think I, I definitely have ADHD and... Uh, it's it's always nice when you just don't take any drugs. You just you just do it all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't do one thing at once because it's too difficult to do that. So um so yeah no I have always been uh pretty motivated to do a lot of different things. I always wanted my own firm. Um Ben knew that uh, I think in my initial interview. Um <clears throat> I've always been pretty open about it and uh, always wanted to kind of control my own destiny. Um but what's happened at Baxtingly in terms of just the number of we're like twenty six people right now has been pretty organic. We never really wanted a firm that big. It's, I mean, it's not really that big of a firm, but we we really wanted to um, 
we like being involved in our projects. We like being intimately involved. I love designing. If I could design and paint all day long, I, that, that's what I would do. And, and I would say we're much more of a design firm than we are a technical firm and so forth. And what happened was we kept hiring people and, and um, you know, the people who are good, you know, kind of got weeded out. But some of the people who have been with us are have been with us for over 20 years as well. And they're great. Uh, and they are, they could easily have their own firm, but they're staying with us for the same reason I stayed. And it's a fun atmosphere. We get to work in each other's projects. Um, even the juniors who have come in are really, really talented. Some of them are so talented that I'm very happy I didn't come in and they came in. Um, it's like a whole other breed right now. It's uh, everybody knows everything, which is so funny about the way they're teaching in school now. So it's, it's a fun environment. And uh, Ben really started that off and I've just kind of kept it going. So you got into Passive House Building and started Passive House Accelerate in 2019. But what lessons did you learn leading up to that point that that sparked this fire in you for sharing information about passive building? Um, so we've already we've always had a pretty collaborative office. We we work in kind of a design build way with with a lot of the contractors we work with. We're a big fan of bringing the contractor in super early like schematic design early oh, wow. and um and well we're we're we always realize that they just make our projects better um uh, bring in contractors early and having them design with you having them work out the details with you having you know some of our contractors like wood studs some of them like metal studs some of them believe in this some of them believe in that and then so it winds up becoming their project like it becomes our project so when we wound up um getting into passive house we started to realize just how much more important that level of collaborative uh, uh working was uh, it, it just becomes even even more important and honestly even more fun because most of the time we're introducing our contractors to the bass house they've never heard of it before yeah. they've been doing contracting for 20 years i don't need to learn a new trick but once they do and it's still happening today I and mean, all they do is school me all day long about the better ways that we could do this the better way we could do that and then we just we're just continuously changing our master set. But the way I got into Passive House was I did a townhouse next to Sam McAfee and Ken Levinson. Uh, Ken was the architect, Sam was the contractor. <laughs> and um, they were doing a Passive House and I was doing a typical house. Yeah. One little tiny um, Mitsubishi in their, in their house and an ERV, which I never heard of before. Um, and, and which I year was all... this? This is about a decade ago okay, uh, or more. And um, and so, and I have, you know, all these mechanical units on the roof and a massive control system in the cellar and in-floor heating, all this stuff. And they didn't have any of those things. And I really made fun of Sam for like about a year. And, and, and Sam's great. You know, he loves it and takes it in stride. And Sam took a lot of time and walked us through it. And anyway, that house worked out really well for Sam, obviously. I loved it. I fell in love with it. And um, so we hired Sam as much as we could. We hired him as a consultant. Um, architects never like being first they, they always want to first of all i think we're lied to a lot there's always someone selling some sort of snake oil that doesn't quite work the way they said it would but seeing it work from a both a contractor and architect um and then being able to hire one of them as a consultant allowed our next project which was manhattan's first um lead platinum passive house um it was the first Man manhattan's first passive house but it was also the lead platinum that client came to us wanting uh, a platinum passive house um, that was lead. We in we introduced them to passive. Um, so, um, so passive building, for, passive house for people who don't know, it's not just for residential construction. The term is kind of misleading because it 
it's derived from a German word, but it can be passive building, can be commercial buildings too. But your projects, are they mainly residential? Yeah, we do a lot of high-end residential. <clears throat> we do historic homes that are all protected by landmarks. Okay. So I'd say out of the uh, 10 or 12 that we have certified now, and we're working at at least 10 now, um, I would say 90% of them are, are landmarks, landmark um, uh, are protected. So all of our passive measures are, are inside the house. They're not outside. In fact, actually, you would walk into our houses. You would never know it was a passive house. You wouldn't even know what the term was. In fact, our clients don't very often um, know, know, what, know what it means or care. I, mean, I think you've heard me uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> describe how, 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 I, how I convince the clients to do it. And it's not for the energy efficiency. How do you um, convince the clients to do it? So, I mean, usually we're walking through these old houses and they're way past their shelf life. And I'm usually saying, you know, letting them know that if they want a house that doesn't have bugs and dust, we can do a sealed house and it'll be a passive house. And if they want to get rid of the street noise in the city, we can do passive house windows. And if they want filtered fresh air 24-7, we could do an ERV because that's what we would do in a passive house. And then I keep walking through and I talk about some of the attributes like they don't need heat ever, which is weird. Um, and some of the other, they, they cut me off almost instantly. They got, they're sold on bugs and dust. Um, and, you know, people don't know in the high-end residential market, at least, or any of the markets really, uh, that they can have houses that are free of bugs and dust. Um, they don't know that they can have filtered air, fresh air 24-7, so they don't ask for it. It's not in their wish list. And, but once they know it exists... Like they're done. They're yeah. in. They want it. Why would you turn Whatever. them down? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the house with all the bugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so give me that one. <laughs> I want the house where uh, where the outside pollen makes its way in. So my wife doesn't even use her allergy medication in our house. And I'm in New York. It's snowing outside today, um, or it snowed yesterday. It's like 30 degrees outside, and my heat's still never been on. So, um, but the clients always think that they're going to live in a spaceship, or yeah. you know, something else is going to. I'm going to, you know, solar collectors all over the place they don't realize it's just it's just better construction and once the contractors learn how to do it they actually can't not do it because um i'm on a bunch of houses that aren't quote unquote passive and we're still doing all the thermal bridging measures where we're uh, where we're uh taking um making sure the cold air doesn't make its way in and um, we're, we're still doing a lot of that and for those of you who don't uh, know what the thermal bridge is on this podcast, they probably all do. But, um, you know, right now, this is pretty hot. In fact, I'm going to put it down um, because it's a glass mug. Um, but if it were insulated, yeah, if it was insulated or typical, like a, a thermos mug, well, I, I could hold it that way. But I, I felt the heat through it, so it's it's got no thermal breaks. Yeah. So um, anyway, but most of our clients just want a better house. There are two things that come to mind when you when you tell that story. And one is the way you, the messaging, the way you spread the information or spread the word about passive building because if you dive into the chem the the technical side of it it can be really overwhelming can go over people's heads so oh, if yeah. you just tell them about the benefits break it down to the simplest simplest advantages then it's more acceptable to people it gets people excited oh yeah in our clients they don't want radiators they they, they they don't want all these different things nobody wants control systems um, everybody's pretty excited when I describe what I consider to be a dumb house because I don't need a control system if my heat's not on. And, uh, and, and in the summer and the spring or the fall, even if I'm putting my thermostat on 70 or whatever you like, and I just, I just leave it. So that's all I've got to do. And so it really simplifies our life. People, in fact, we're living in such a crazy world. People want a simple life. 
and they just want a better house. They just didn't know they can get it. And passive house seems daunting. Um, it just everything about it. So just creating a creating a kind of a simple way of describing it is um, is way to go. I have actually made the mistake of not describing it that way before and getting kind of excited about the nuts and bolts, and people just don't do it. It's amazing. It's it's weird. It's like they get turned off like instantly, and it's very hard to get them back. When so most of the work that you do in in New York, I assume they're renovations because there's limited free land available. Um, so is it more difficult to create passive buildings in retrofits as opposed to new construction? Um, I think it could be. So well, one of the things that we learned in that first Manhattan townhouse is that we were doing passive house in a horrible way <laughs> and uh, and in, a, in, a, in, a, in an unscalable way. And what we learned is that we really needed to have a systematic approach that really got the sequence right of what you do and how you do it. And um, and we've been trying to hone that, 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 that systematic approach for a decade now. And our next project, we included a whole bunch of people in it. Um, um, we do something called the Contractor Collective which is something that everybody in the universe should, should steal, um, where we've required all of our contractors who compete with each other, who are all doing passive houses, to meet um, on a regular basis in each other's houses and to talk about what's going right and what's going wrong with the passive house projects that we're doing. And there's just nothing like getting a whole bunch of contractors together with the architect to tell them what they don't like about our details. Uh, so, How do you West, get people excited enough to do that? To meet up on a regular basis and well yeah i can tell you right now we've got passion contractors. in each person's work well i mean right now so the first meeting was funny so the first meeting was um we had only done it with two contractors and but i wanted everybody's like well how do you find contractors who do passive house and i would never do that i mean i i would but i mean i love the contractors we've been working with we've got relationships forever i mean i know who their kids are and there's a certain amount of trust that's there and they're great carpenters and they love to build. And once you learn how to do passwords, you realize like some of this stuff's like really easy compared to especially all the other stuff they're doing. So what we learned is that they don't really want to learn it from me. They want to learn it from other contractors. So the first meeting was kind of weird. Uh, all the contractors like milling around outside the job site. Nobody wanted to go in. These are guys who compete in some cases, four of those contractors competed on that house. Three of them lost. And the one contractor who won it is now showing them his sequence. So, um, uh, so they they all know each other, but didn't really know each other. So we went in, and everybody's kind of milling around, and it's a little awkward. And all of a sudden, someone starts to show the problem that they found, and all the stupid things they did, and uh, how they fixed it. And all of a sudden, the phones are coming out, and the pictures are coming out. And so the meeting was about an hour and a half long. It was supposed to be like a fifteen minute meet and greet. The next meeting um, was about two and a half hours long. It was about thirty people. The next one honestly it was too big it was like 70 people 70 different wow. the contractors brought, they brought their subs one guy brought his framing contractor um another woman had had her whole team with her as well and um uh and it was really it's it was just fun and just they're just picking apart our window detail and picking apart how we are waterproofing it correctly and yeah it's great for passive but not this and someone's talking about how we have to insulate our brick and i mean just pages and pages of um, great notes and what we would do the deal is they'd all get those notes and they'd all get a copy of the details that we just they just helped us do that they could use wherever they want no matter what architect they're working with um, and then it, it grew from there to us inviting a whole bunch of architects some of which we compete with 
um, and a whole bunch of other people who got interested. And then we started getting calls from contractors who don't even work with us are like, listen, can I do a passive house with you? Because they want to be invited to these things because they're kind of fun. Um, and we would we, we actually also moved them after the second meeting to the afternoon. We do them at three o'clock because we got all got a happy hour afterwards. So that has now created a whole bunch of friendships with all the contractors. They all know each other now. A lot of them are like sharing blower doors because you don't really need more than one. Some of them have shared crews when they got slow, which is also just wow. bananas. It's just yeah. bananas. Um, uh, and uh, one of them shared their whole painting crew because they were very slow with a contractor who won that job and they didn't. And and it just it just um, it just created a, a whole atmosphere of collaborative people who just want to work well together. And uh, it's fun. And they realize that failing on the passive house project or the or the project they're doing costs them more money. And that's really their competition. The competition is not those guys uh, or, or girls. It, it just, it just, it just, it, it's, it's, it's the competition of money because doing a passive house is, is a little risky. So if you can learn from all your peers and know what you're doing, yeah. oh yeah. And then, uh, so in our office, Amy, Isla, Will Connor, uh, Frankie, um, they've, they've, they've all been, I, I work with a team of people who have been really instrumental in that. And then Kevin Brennan, uh, who you probably know as well, who's done a lot of the contractor um, teaching for a lot of our, um, our our contractors, has actually run a lot of those. And um, so I'm pretty lucky to be surrounded by people who can run those who aren't me. Um, and um, and it, it's been it's been fun. It's a little addictive. Your your energy is so infectious. Just hearing you talk about all these meetings and how they're growing and you're developing all these relationships, it just it's incredible. And even you talked about you running, the importance of finding the right people, trusting them and letting them run with that idea. That That's how you run Passive House Accelerator. That's how it seems like you run it because you cannot possibly run your business, run Passive House Accelerator, run another thing because you're going to be spread too thin. So you have mm -hmm. found the right people to develop this continuous, like, um, I, I don't know how to describe it, but this co continuous content for social media whether it's the podcast it's the articles it's web the web um youtube videos how did you manage to grow such an amazing team to run passive house accelerate and what's what percentage of uh time do you dedicate to it well that's a great question and uh, and thank you by the way so um i will say the accelerator is really addictive and yeah. and i and i and i could spend a lot of time on it because the stuff that people see like on the podcast or on the weekly um uh, um uh, lives or uh, that's it's a fun. tiny what, fraction what, of the work that goes behind it and it's fun the meetings they have and the pre-meetings like those are just as much fun so like some of the run-throughs they do they're like the run-throughs like 15 minutes and they were on the call for like two hours and because a lot of times these are people like that we like loved forever that we get to talk to. And so, and, and we're, and we're learning from them. So <clears throat> I wanted to start the accelerator on this is probably almost four years ago now. Um, um, because of a few things. One is, um, I was going to all these conferences and realizing that everybody had all these answers. It's like having like, you know, climate change is like this cancer, except for we know the cure, uh, but like nobody's, nobody's describing the cure to anybody or describing this piece or that piece. They're all siloed. <clears throat> People are doing passive house supermarkets, passive house car dealerships, and they all want to share, which is so cool. So I wanted to um, continue that and have that happen. On a um, central platform. Passive house accelerator was really 
created to aggregate a lot of different things that are already happening. I mean, there's just stuff that we're already addicted to. And, um, and I think we still can do a lot more to aggregate that stuff into one place so people can, can get links to it and find it. People didn't already know it existed, but, um, but it's grown into a lot more than that. So I will say the Passive House Accelerator was horrible when I first started it. It is not what I do. I didn't care. I still wanted to do it. I, I funded it myself because I, I didn't want anybody to stop me. And it was done at a time when there were some some warring factions of individuals who may have said, oh, you could do this, but you can't do that. You could do this and you can't do that. And I'm like, you know, I just wanted to put the pedal to the metal. And if it felt, you know, I'd be, I'd be cool. <clears throat> so, um, but it, but it was horrible. <laughs> it's just not what I do. And, um, and it wasn't, it was kind of growing here and there. It was kind of fun. But then I realized that Zach Semke was available. And it is what Zach Semke does. And, uh, and I called him like, Zach, please do this with me. And the, the Passive House Accelerator that everybody knows now is at least it's probably more Zach's than it is mine. Um, but, it's, but it's also the whole team. It's the way we're, we're running it. Um, and now we've got Mary James, who, who jumped on from Passive House Buildings Magazine. She jumped on a few years ago, and a whole bunch of our team members jumped on. We've got great writers, and the hosts are all fun. Um, but the way we run that is if we want to do it, we just do it. Uh, we just like literally the next day. We just don't care. I mean, it's just we don't have to answer anybody. We don't necessarily care if we fail a little bit because we can always pull back on it. And we have there's definitely things that we've done that that haven't uh, haven't worked out the way we thought they would. We but started, you experimented with it. You wouldn't have known it would have failed if you hadn't tried it. Yeah. We started a Discord channel. We realized only six people used it. We stopped it. So um, uh, Dylan, my son, loved it though. So. Um, so, um, but I'll give you a good example. The podcast, Matthew Cutler Welsh called Zach, I think. And he's like, listen, you know, I like doing these podcasts. You want to do it together? And so we did it the next week. We just started it. Um, the lives have been really cool. That came through Sean St. Amore and Monty Paulson. They were doing some actual lives um, in Vancouver. And then COVID hit and they started to do them on Zoom. And then they called us like, listen, this is not something we want to run. It also would be great if more people did it. You know, can you can you do it with us or, or take it over? And we're like, yeah, let's go. And like two days later, we did our first live. And, and that has been so much fun. During COVID, we had two or 300 people on it a week. And from, from everywhere, it, it kind of grew fast. We, we wound up doing um, a whole bunch of things where we were doing people's conferences online because people couldn't travel to them. And, um, and honestly, that kind of got me through COVID. That, that was great. Do you feel a certain amount of pressure to constantly create content for Passive House Accelerator to constantly grow it? Or do you entrust the people to the people you have hired or the people you work with to run with it and to, to innovate? I mean, the, the better way to answer that for me is if I didn't show up for the next year, the Passive House Accelerator would be just fine. Um, uh, you know, Zach's great. Mary's great. Ilka, who's one of the, now hosting some of our past cast, podcasts, it's great. Matthew Walsh is great. There's so many good people. You know, Jay, one of the writers. There's so many good people involved in the Accelerator. And the way we've done it is everybody can kind of run with what they want to. And we've got a lot of other people who also have their own thing going on involved. And um, the way we run it is 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 they're able to just do what they want. And because of that, I, I don't feel really any pressure to, to on a weekly basis personally. Having said that, the team meets weekly and they make it happen. And it's obviously, you know, you do it. It's it's not as easy as it looks. And we're, we're planning further in advance now. 
Now we're going to do it. We're going to start getting AIA credits for some of these, which we probably should have done a while ago. And, and it, it's a lot of work, but we've got someone who's, we've got Kim who's working with us now who handles a lot of that back end stuff, um, which, which, and some of the front end stuff now too. And, and it, it just helps. So it's really, a, it's an incredible team that just yeah. works. Uh, directed by Zach. So it lets me be involved in the fun stuff I want to be. I, I can kind of helicopter in, hopefully not say stupid things, helicopter back out and, and lets me stay focused on the architecture firm, which is really essential. I would let it all go for the for the architecture firm. It's really, A, I love it. <clears throat> B, um, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of what I do. So, um, you know uh, so it's, it's nice to have both. I don't know if you've realized this, but you probably have realized this. You being at the firm for so long and being in an environment that you really appreciated, an environment that nurtured you and allowed you to explore, that's what you've created at Paso House Accelerator. You're creating an that's environment where people can grow and do what they want. You have trusted them to explore different ideas, fail if they need to, and they're not afraid of, they're not getting stuck in a rut because yeah, no, you've created nice, that yeah. same environment. That's interesting. I haven't really thought about that, but yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you're, but you, but you're, you're right. And what's nice about it is, uh, I, I, I don't even think I, it, we might be a little bit too comfortable telling, but, uh, but, but we actually would like to fail fast if we're going to fail. And then, and then I, I think we'd probably kind of publicly talk about what we did wrong and what we want to do right. Um, so like, for example, we just moved everything from nighttime to daytime, yes. um, which was kind of interesting. Our numbers went up, which is great, but we debated that kind of publicly. We just changed the way we do the whole format of the lives where every week is a new thing we're doing 40 on the 40 now because we got some some really good well the one thing i love about the community i think um some days is, is they're really really particular so they definitely tell you what they think so we've we, we learned like listen there's too many you know established people on get some younger people in we need more diversity so what we're we're, we're which is all true and so part of what we some of the pressure we do feel is is actually to truly take action when we get that because it's so easy to talk about it and yeah. uh, and, it, and you just have to take action and, and try this or then try that or try this and try that and um and um so we so we so zach's been great with that the team's been great with that we just hired a a, a videographer which is a huge huge thing and uh people will start to see the benefit of that pretty soon yeah. and uh, the, this, his name is alex and he's so talented and has the ability to edit a lot of what we do edit some of what other people do and bring it in, but also has the ability to film both on location and simulcast out so we can do both. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So it's, so it's constantly growing. And I, and I guess what I would say maybe about me personally is, is I feel a tremendous amount of um, pressure is the wrong word and, and responsibility is the wrong word, but uh, drive to, um, to further building better and helping to solve that. Uh, you know, it's just- you That's know, just I feel personal, like, I guess, personal pressure you put on yourself. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I've seen behind the, the curtain at Oz, I know the solutions out there and it just as many people who can learn it, it can't, these are really simple lessons and they can't be unlearned. So the more I can help do that, I, I feel a little bit of pressure to do that now, just because, you know, we, we all know where we're headed. Yeah, uh, and and for me, it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It doesn't matter if you, you know, like gas versus coal. It doesn't matter to me. You know, these are all really, really interesting debates that are unnecessary. Nobody wants to pay for heat. Zero people. Uh, no, nobody wants an unhealthy house. Zero people. So let's just do those. Let's just do that. 
and, 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 and stop debating those items. So just knowing that and knowing that there are people who know how to do it. And, uh, and some of it's just kind of getting the people that we love on yeah. and, and learning from them. So you talked about your main passion is your architecture firm. That is who you are. You are an architect. You are a designer. That's, you, that's what you love to do. Are there particular, uh, a couple of projects that come to mind where that really stand out or that you learn the most number of lessons from and you, you love sharing stories about that with the rest of the industry? That's a great question. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. It is funny <laughs> as you ask it. So many projects come to mind. Um, <clears throat> maybe my, my own house was a, was a, was a fun one um, where um, I didn't have anybody who could tell me we couldn't have lots of gatherings and couldn't try stuff. So we did a window installation seminar here on site. We did um, we did an air sealing seminar here on site. And so, and we were able to try a whole bunch of different things. Um, so, um, so I have, I have uh, LVLs on one floor. I have existing joists that are assisted on another floor. And above me, I've got metal joists and we're just trying different things. So we, just cause we could do it and you know, nobody can say no. And so maybe, maybe that's been a fun one. Um, my brother-in-law, Max Michelle was the contractor and a lot of my friends were the ones doing the work. <clears throat> so they, they were in, they let us do it. Now we're kind of interested in, and what was going on. <clears throat> the, the one we're working on right now is, uh, that's a lot of fun for us is engine 16, which is a firehouse that we're converting to residential in Manhattan. It's an ICERTA Buildings of Excellence project. NICERTA has been a huge game changer. I'm so happy I'm in New York. And, uh, we're Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so NYSERDA, um, and, uh, New York. Um, <laughs> I should look up what NYSERDA means. But, um, <clears throat> but um, NYSERDA is a, is a, is, has been incredible in creating a whole bunch of programs that are helping to push better buildings. <clears throat> and it's not so different from what they did in Brussels, where um, they knew the code had to change. Um, they, they knew people had to build better buildings. So the government funded several projects as long as they shared all their details, all their answers, all the metrics, and and opened it up to the community to show them how. And so uh, the Buildings of Excellence um, Awards, they're on their third round. They're about to actually, I think in the, in the next few weeks, um, announce who the winners of the next round. And it's all different project types. So um, ours are historic masonry retrofits, Another one that that won um, uh, a nice sort of um, uh, award is a prefab uh, uh, from the ground up project we're doing upstate, which is kind of fun. Um, so we do all types of projects, by the way, now. And uh, but what's nice about the nice sort of um, 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 setup is that it's being designed in a way where they get all the data and they can share it broadly. And they're really helping you to share it broadly. And, uh, and the accelerator works with them a bit on this as well. We help to share it on the accelerator too. But it's it is one of the things that for me is is it works with my personal mission quite a bit because they, they want people to share it and um and they're really tapping into a community uh, in New York of uh, people who are already into it. They were into it way before it's becoming code. Um, you know, people are like, ah, oh, the code doesn't have to change, it's so stringent. There are already developers who are going all electric voluntarily they're already doing high performance buildings voluntarily developers who are holding the buildings and renting them have realized that if i don't need heat and i can put that into the rental cost in my incredibly competitive market in new york i make more money they're all learning these things already so like the whole code change it's very similar to what happened in brussels by the time it really changes 
but communities already around that's already kind of doing it. It's just not a big deal. And, um, and it's, it's, it's really nice. And the, and the team that's there is uh, great to work with. So we're, we're pretty lucky, but anyway, coming back yeah. to it, sorry. And kind of ties, it ties into your belief in knowledge sharing, like with the seminars that you hold, um, with all these contractors and architects, and you believe that if you're going to help the construction industry move further, we have to be open about the lessons learned. We have to share knowledge. It's not, it's not something we need to hide. Yeah. And also I would say, you know, even if I was looking at it selfishly, which of course I do sometimes, everybody does. Every time we've had an open house, even when competing architects or contractors or some people come in, we learn so much. And, um, and a lot of people are like, yeah, but what if I put my details out and they're horrible? And honestly, some of the details we put out have been not great. And, um, but what's nice about it is, um, is you learn what wasn't great and you just change them. It's like, you change them like the next day. AutoCAD, it's not a big deal. Exactly. And, um, and it's just, um, you'll, you're, it's kind of fun and, and free. And we've only benefited from it as an office. We've not, we've, there's just, there's no negative that I can think of both from a business development standpoint, as well as just, you know, kind of doing good by the environment and bringing more people into it. But Engine 16 is a fun project. It's a, it's a project where we're getting to do lots of other things. We like keep a lot of the cool historic stuff that was in the firehouse. We're working with a contractor, our Sutton, who really does it well, uh, a client who's totally into it. And um, where we're keeping tin ceilings, old floors, um, you know, hose hooks, and we're reusing it all in that project. We're also taking stuff that like we, we've taken off of other projects and putting it into the house. As a firm, we've been into other that historic forever. projects. Yeah, yeah. So oh, like we yeah. took the fire escape off off uh, another house, and we're using the fire escape stairs okay. uh, in, in this one to get to one of the lofts. We we do that in our office a lot. Ben, my partner, has been into that for quite a while, and we like to try to. I mean, you know, when we really get into, um, uh, you, know, you know, what's the best way to build and you know embody carbon, but it, the best thing we can do is just not throw it out. Exactly. Um, so yeah. uh, and it, maybe even keep it in place. So a lot of our houses, we're keeping the existing joists. A lot of the other houses where we're not, where we're using those joists somewhere else, the floor is somewhere else. It's amazing what you can reuse. And honestly, how interesting it can make the next project. It's kind of fun. It kind of gives you constraints for the next project too, in a weird way. It's like, oh, I have these these items that I can use in here. Let me maybe cater the design around these items that I have. It, yeah. It's very interesting. It's fun. Oh, your energy, like I said earlier, is so infectious and... Uh, I really appreciate you sharing all this and what you're doing for the industry. But I have a question for you. Architecture is an extremely tough industry. I mean, it is tough to earn a living in the industry. It's tough to climb up the ladder. It's one of the reasons why I, I try to find a career path kind of outside architecture, which a lot of my peers have done too. But you... You have found your own path. You've carved a niche in the industry. You've created a name for yourself. What advice do you have for a young architect, a young professional that's trying to do something similar, trying to find their voice in architecture? Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I have a, a few different ways of looking at it. Um, one is um, when you take a job, take one where you're going to learn. Although money is important. Um, Make sure that you're, you're you're learning something you you think you can use in the future, and make sure you don't get pigeonholed in that one thing. And if you're not continuing to learn multiple things, leave, don't stay. 
doesn't matter if they give you a raise. You have to continuously learn. And I think about this for the people who are with us as well. Um, as they put it to people, when we do a kind of our yearly reviews with the people that are in the office, if, if we can't pay you enough to be um, competitive, you should leave. But also, much more importantly, if you're not learning more, if you're not, if you're not growing as an individual in the direction you want to grow in, you should go find a place where you can do that. I would say, especially as you're really young, where you have maybe less expenses, you, you will, even though the expenses seem like they're real. But as you grow older and you've got a family and other things happen, the expenses become even more real. I would say focus on skill sets more than you do um, salary. That, that would be my first. And that is what I definitely did do. Um, uh, and then I guess I guess the other is um, learn outside of the firm. Uh, I, I've always been pretty um, interested in, we're lucky in New York. This is a lot of places to learn. And there's a lot of lectures that are always going on. But now they're all online, so uh, which, which is cool. So, um, you know, there's all these, you know, different, uh, the podcast that kind of describe things, you know, try to learn something for 15 minutes a day or, but they're real. <laughs> try to learn something for 15 minutes a day and do something that's totally outside of your field. Um, it's again, kind of Ben Bax's advice that he gave me a long time ago, which is go hang out with people who aren't architects, please. Um, <clears throat> um, which, which is, it's just so important to see, you know, we, architects, you know, you see everything like this, but you know, the world's much more than this. It's that, or you, you don't even have hands. So, um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, just, just get out of your bubble, uh, learn more things and, um, and just keep trying to learn, I think would be my, my biggest one. Again, we're lucky. New York's relatively busy. I got lucky because I'm working with, a uh, with Ben, who was, who was also interested in it. Um, I think there are a lot of firms out there where you get some really good experience, but they might be more limiting. I would also say, go work there, but leave, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, work there, get what you need out of it. They obviously know what they're doing if they're limiting you, um, and and don't be bashful about it, and 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 ask for a slightly different um, um, setup. I'll give you a great example. We hired somebody who had seven years of incredible experience and at, at a really great firm. <clears throat> we realized after interviewing him that he'd really been detailing fire stairs for like four years, and 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 he knew how to do it. Like he was he was good. Like he knew how to do that. Like he didn't know anything else beyond that and he was really leaving because he was trying to he was trying to branch out and he did i've actually kept in touch with him and he's doing just fine but um it would have been hard to hire him and he probably should have left three years earlier but they pay well they make it uh, kind of exciting and you've just got to remember that if you're if you're not continuously learning uh, you're not moving forward you're moving backward yeah and then i would say most of those firms if you really made that point they'd move you to a different spot yeah. If you're good, if you're good at what you do, you know, be vocal. Yeah. That's excellent advice. Thank you so much, Michael. That's good advice for young people and even older people like myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and me, I have to continuously think about it too, by the way. It's so easy to give other people advice. And I'm thinking, by the way, while I'm saying it, I'm like, when was the last time I did a learning thing for 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I'll, I'll try that tomorrow. So, I think you're doing enough. I, I think you'd... You don't have to be so hard on yourself. You're juggling a lot of things. I'm sure you're learning something new every day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael, once again. I'll link the podcast and link your website in the description. Uh, if if people want to learn more about uh, the Passive Arts Accelerator, do, they, do you have an Instagram um, account? Yeah, you can go to Passive Arts Accelerator on Instagram or go to PassiveHouseAccelerator.com on, on the web and we're on YouTube as well. All right. Thanks once again, Michael. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks.